Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for joining us for this week's message from Riverside Church. I believe you will be inspired and blessed by the Word of God. We'd love to welcome you to one of our services next time you're in the Brisbane area. If you'd like to know more about us, go online at www.riversidecc.org.au or like us on Facebook to hear about up-and-coming events. I hope you enjoy the message. God bless you. Yes, Jim is right. I am speaking on overcoming procrastination. We are in the middle of a series. Uh, Jim spoke about overcoming fear. I encourage you to listen to that message. And of course, Pavey's sermon last week was excellent, overcoming insecurity. But we are talking about overcoming procrastination. And to allay any fears that you may have, I am more than qualified to talk about procrastination. Anyone who knows me, who's ever studied with me, knows that I am qualified. And I'm going to tell you a story, uh, a story that my wife told about me recently, but she told a slightly different version of this story. She implied something that isn't true about this story, but I'm going to give you my version and then tell you the inference that she made to the person she was speaking. Now, at the turn of the century, I was at uni, so about, it was probably 2000 or 2001, I was at uni, and uh, it, was on a, it was a particular day. I didn't have any classes that day. I didn't have a lecture to go to or a tutor to go to. So I was at home. And I thought I'd be studious and look through my course material for a subject, because that's what I did, you know. I'm a studious person. And I thought to myself, I haven't had an assignment for this subject. So I was leafing through the booklet we had back then, a physical booklet. And I'm leafing through, looking at the material. and looked at the assignment. There are always essays. All my assignments in the university were essays, usually about two and a half to 3,000 words. That was pretty standard for me. And I'm looking through it, and I found this question. I'm like, oh, I haven't read that question before. When's the due date? Who can guess when the due date was for that assignment? It, was, it wasn't tomorrow. It wasn't yesterday. It was that day. Okay? So I haven't seen this question before. It's the first time I've read it. had no idea I had to do this assignment. It was 9 o'clock in the morning, and I had until 5 to do the assignment. Back in my day, there was no online submitting at 11.59. You couldn't do that. You had to physically take your assignment printed out with a cover sheet filled out into uni, put it in the lecturer's pigeonhole before 5 o'clock. Because at 5 o'clock, someone from the office came and they put a coloured piece of paper in, slipped it in, so any assignments on that piece of paper, they knew were late. So I had until 5. It was 9. So I had 8 hours to do 3,000 words. And so I did what any other student does, and I panicked. No, I didn't panic. I knew I can get this done. I, I, I can get this done, so I raced to uni. I, I had the question. I did some research from actual books in an actual library back in those days. We did have the internet, obviously. just wasn't quite as fast as it is now. And I did some research, and I went home, and I typed, 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 and I got my assignment in at 4.55 p.m. Into. Now, when Jane told this story recently to someone in this church, she implied that I had intentionally left my assignment to the last minute, that I knew about the assignment, and I was like, i got plenty of time, it's fine. That is not true. <laughs> I would never, ever put myself under that pressure on purpose. I may be foolish, but I'm not stupid. Okay, there's no way, I did not do it on purpose, it was completely an oversight, but I got my assignment done. But we are going to talk about procrastination, something that I am well versed with. Let's pray this morning. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you we can come around your word this morning. I pray, Lord, that your word would come and it would go out and it would not return void. 
that people would be changed this morning, that your word would encourage people, challenge them, and that people would walk out of this building and confident that they can get the things done they need to get done in their life. Help them to overcome procrastination in all its forms this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning I'm going to talk about several different areas. I'm going to talk about what procrastination is, in case you're unaware. I'm going to talk about what it looks like, its various forms. I'm going to talk about the truth about procrastination, what it takes from you. And then I'm going to talk about how we overcome it. Excellent. So we know. So what is procrastination? What is, what is the definition? There are many definitions, but this one is I'm going to give you. It is to delay or postpone action to put off something that should be done. So you delay or postpone something you know you should do. You're putting off something that has to be completed, has to be done. Now, while we often associate procrastination with a workplace or an education setting like my story, the fact is procrastination is everywhere. It invades all parts of our life, it, from not unpacking that suitcase straight away, you know you should do, to telling yourself you'll fold the laundry tomorrow, to telling your spouse that uh, you might have spent more money than you should have, and you think, I'll talk about that later on, I won't worry about that now, to avoiding that phone call you know you should make, it can wait. Pressing snooze one more time, because nine minutes worth more sleep, it's worth it, to telling yourself you're going to spend more time with God today, I'm going to read the word more today, I'm going to pray more, and then you crash into bed that night with nothing but your good intentions. Procrastination is found everywhere. It's in all parts of our lives. And it's important we don't just treat it as a simple, trivial issue, or a work issue, or an education issue, or just something practically. But we recognise, just as Pastor Pavey did last week when talking about insecurity, that procrastination is a spiritual issue. It has a spiritual side to it that we need to address. So just with our work life and our school life and our family life and our, our friend life and our social life, our neighbourhood life, our spiritual life, which should be part of all those other parts of our lives, our spiritual life is a place where we can delay or postpone something that we know we should do. We can put off what God has called us to do, doing what should be done. So that's what procrastination is. So let's understand. Let's understand what it is really like. It's important to get a handle on procrastination and what it does to you, what it does to your life, what it looks like, what its, what its various forms. We need to understand procrastination because if we don't, if we don't recognize it, then we can't fight it. We can't combat against it and live the life that God wants us to live. So understand procrastination. And my first point is this. You need to write this down. It is not laziness. Procrastination is not laziness. There is a clear distinction between laziness and procrastination. They are not the same. How do I know this? Well, because of this. Lazy people are fine with doing nothing. If you're lazy, then you're fine with doing nothing. Procrastinators want to do something but have trouble starting. There's the difference. If you're a lazy person and you're like, yeah, that's me, I'm a lazy person, then you don't have an issue with doing nothing because you're a lazy person. That's who you are. You have issue with doing nothing. I think people are hard on themselves because they haven't started doing that thing they should do and so they call themselves lazy. And once you label yourself as lazy, you start to believe that you are lazy. We become what we speak about ourselves. 
But procrastinating and laziness are not the same. Because more than likely, you actually want to do something. You actually want to get done what you want to get done. It frustrates you. You get mad at yourself. It's frustrating not to get done what you want to get done. And if that's the case, you're not lazy. Because you're not okay with doing nothing. You want to complete that task. You want to complete that project. You want to do that thing you know you've got to do. And if you want to get it done, you're not lazy. Because you're not okay with it not getting done. You just want to know, where do I start? That's all you want to know. Where do I start? And we'll get to that. So first of all, it's not laziness. Second of all, understanding procrastination, there are two kinds. If you go on Google and you search up procrastination, you'll get a plethora of articles. It's billions. It's crazy. But it boils down to this. There's two main kinds of procrastination. There is active and there is passive. There are active procrastinators and passive procrastinators. These are the two most commonly recognized types. Active procrastinators intentionally delay. Active procrastinators intentionally delay because pressure equals motivation. If I give myself more pressure, I will be more motivated. These people, they delay on purpose. They know the deadline's coming up, and they intentionally put off doing it because they believe that if they have more pressure on them, it will give way to a burst of energy that will make them do what they need to do. And for some people, this kind of works, kind of. But for most of us, it results in just doing enough to get across the line. I will be honest with you, I have done this before. I have intentionally delayed before. Not when I did that assignment, honey. But I have intentionally delayed to increase the pressure to force myself to do it. But the thing is, this is not what we're called to do. As much as you can convince yourself it is, it's not. Now, Ecclesiastes 9.10 tells us that whatever our hands find to do, do it with all your might. Do everything to your best ability. Not mediocre, last-ditch efforts. If you wait to the last minute to do something, your work will not be as good as if you did it with plenty of time. You cannot convince me otherwise. What you will give up, what you will put up, is just satisfactory. It's just enough to get across the line. It's just a pass. The real problem with active procrastination is that pressure does equal motivation. It does. You do get more motivated when the deadline's approaching. But it also increases stress, anxiety, and fear. So your motivation goes up, but all these other things also go up. And the issue is, is that the stress and the anxiety you have for the thing that you're trying to get done won't just stay here. It will creep into every other part of your life. The stress and anxiety you feel here will invade your relationships. It will invade the way you speak to people, the way you think about people, the way you think about things that need to be done, the way you think about yourself. You can't contain it here. It will spread like a virus into all parts of your life. You may think that it's just the motivation that's increasing, but everything else will increase as well, and they will get out of your control. So that's active procrastinators. The second group, which is most people, passive procrastinators delay due to indecision and present bias. 
I'll explain those terms in a second. Passive procrastination, which is where most of us is, is usually caused by a range of factors. Uh, poor time management. Who can relate to poor time management? Anyone? Just me? Excellent. Okay. Uh, Jimmy as well. Good. Okay. We overestimate our ability. We think we're better than we are. I've got this under control. I'm pretty good. We underestimate our future motivational levels, which is a problem. And this stems from active procrastination. But the two big factors are indecision and present bias. When we have a task to complete, we find ourselves with too many questions. Where do I start? What should I say? What part should I do first? What if I don't get it done? What if they don't like the job that I do? Does it really matter if I don't get it done now? Who's going to really notice? What if they don't like me or the job that I do? And we have all these questions flying around our head. Where do I begin? And, they're running. and what happens is, is that you can't decide to do anything and you end up with what they call decision paralysis. You freeze because you can't make a choice. You can't make a decision. You're paralyzed due to indecision. We get stuck on the questions instead of just getting it done. And then, of course, what I think is a really big one, what I call present bias, but you know it by another name. You know it as instant gratification. Instant gratification. It's the bias towards what's right in front of us. Our focus is solely on here, and we forget about the future, the task that needs to be done, that deadline that's up there. We forget about that because we're here. Okay? There's an excellent TED talk on this. There's a guy called by a guy named Tim Urban. If you ever go on Google, type in Tim Urban TED Talk Procrastination. It is hilarious. It's so good. And he talks about the instant gratification monkey. Okay? Okay? He says in our brain we have us. We are the rational decision maker. We make rational decisions about our life. But on occasion, the instant gratification monkey will take the wheel of our brain and we'll go this way or this way. And we sit down to do a task. We go, I'm going to get it done. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to put it off anymore. I'm going to sit down and do it. And you're like, what's in the fridge? And you go over to the fridge and you think to yourself, maybe there's something new in the fridge from 10 minutes ago when I last looked at the fridge. And I'm looking for food. Or you sit down and do something and you're like, wait a minute, the TV channel is not really right. It's not the great background music, like the sound that I need to work in. So I'll change the channel and I'll get something good. And you sit there, you're changing the channel. And then two hours go by and you're still changing the channel and you haven't done anything. <laughs> or you sit down to do something and you're like, oh, I need to text my wife, my husband, my friend, my child. I just got to text them. And you have this conversation. And you're like, I should text someone else as well. I should email somebody. And you do this and it doesn't get done. <laughs> or you think, I'll just check Facebook for a second. <laughs> you think, oh, I forgot to like Pastor Jim's verse of the day. I have to go on and do that. And then you just... And just do that for like the next three hours and nothing gets done. You only do what is here. What instantly gratifies you instead of doing what future you need you to do. Because future you is going to be mad at present you for not getting it done. So that is active and passive procrastination. The third thing we need to understand is what we call procrastinating. working. Who's ever heard the term procrastinating working before? Anyone? I hadn't really, said, <laughs> Nick's like, yep, that's me. Okay. Just like the instant gratification monkey, it takes control. We can also, in the same way, succumb to procrastinating, which is exactly the same. It just feels more productive. Procrastinating is avoiding the task you need to do 
with another less urgent task. So you're sitting down to do something, but you notice, oh, my desk is kind of messy. I should clean my desk before I start. And so you clean your desk for an hour instead of just getting the work done. Your desk has been messy for weeks, but conveniently and happens to be now the time is to clean my desk. I must do it now. I have to do it now. And so you do it now. Or you think to yourself, I'm going to fold the laundry now. And you think, oh, the TV cabinet is really dusty. I should probably do that first. And so you go do that first. Instead of doing the thing you sat down to do. The thing is, though, is that these tasks are actually things that should be done. You should clean your desk. You should dust your house. But if we're honest, do we have to do them now? No. They can wait. This phenomenon struck me as I was writing this sermon. I caught myself procrastinating while writing a sermon on overcoming procrastination. <laughs> the irony is palpable. I sat down to type, and suddenly I remembered that I have Facebook. Like I'd forgotten. And so I pulled out my phone, and I'm going to like Jim's post. I'm like, and I'm scrolling through, and I was going through the community pages, as we do, people complaining about lost dogs and so forth. And someone posted about a government scheme where you can get government subsidy if you drive your own kids to school. This is a, this is a, this is a real thing. I'm not making this up. And I'm like, that's amazing. So what did I do? I, I had a computer upstairs in the church office. I have a screen here and a screen there. And my screen here was Microsoft Word with the cursor blinking, ready for me to type. And so I would do something. Type. Google. And I typed up the government and I was looking. I'm like, search links. And I look at this article, the article, links, then links, click this link. Found the, found the, um, the, the application form. Filled an application form for four children. Filled it in, pressed submit, and went, oh, man, did some work just then, didn't I? Feel good about myself. Meanwhile, the cursor on Microsoft Word is still blinking at me, saying, when are you going to start? When are you going to start? But I'm thinking, I feel pretty good. I just did this really cool thing. I feel like I've, I've achieved something. And then I rang Jane, more procrastinating working, and said, guess what I just did? Just so she can go, wow, you're an amazing husband. <laughs> procrastinating working. It feels rewarding, but all you're doing is delaying the thing that you need to do. So we know what procrastination is. We have some understanding of it. We know what it kind of looks like. The kind of dangers that it subjects us to. But now we're going to go one step further. We're going to go one step deeper. As I said before, I believe that procrastination is a spiritual issue. It invades all parts of your life, including your relationship with God. This is where we're going to uncover the truth about what procrastination can really do to your life without you realizing it. Some truth we need to know so we can be vigilant and try to overcome it. So the truth about procrastination. And the first important truth is this. Procrastination, it gives a false sense of control. Procrastination gives you a false sense of control. Procrastination gives you the impression that you are in control of tomorrow. That you will undoubtedly, without question, have the time to do this later. The point is, you don't know that, do you? You're not in control of tomorrow. You have no idea if you have the time to do this later on. What procrastination will never, ever, ever do is factor in the uncertainty of life. If we knew for certain, if we were somehow on par with God, we were omniscient, we knew everything, 
Remember people way back in time tried to be like God, didn't end too well for them and kind of affected all of us? Yeah, we're not like God. But even if we, if we were, if we, somehow omniscient, if you knew tomorrow you had the time, then maybe, maybe you could justify procrastinating. Maybe. But none of us know. None of us know what's going to happen later on today, tomorrow, next week, next month. We don't know. But what we do know, what we do know without a doubt, is that if you put off something to tomorrow that you could do today, that's a recipe for remorse. If you put off tomorrow what you could do today, it's a recipe for remorse. Because you don't know what can happen. It's not in your control. What is in your control is now. What I do now is in your control. Tomorrow, it's a whole different story. Let's look at James chapter 4. James 4, verse 13. This is what he says. He says, Look here, you who say, Today or tomorrow we're going to go to a certain town and stay there for a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, If the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans. And all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. We know that James is not known for his subtlety when he wrote his letter. He's quite a blunt individual, but he speaks the truth. He says it is a sin to do what you should do and then not do it. When I teach RI in schools, I teach them what sin is because kids have no idea what sin is. And I simply say that sin is self-interested nature, S-I-N, self-interested nature. You do what is about you before you do what is about God. You come first. That's what sin is. You come first. And if we do what comes first for us only, then we are sinning. We're not in God's plan. It is important for us to remember that while you think you have it under control, Procrastination is just feeding you a lie. You can't be under control all the time. None of us are. You can't know you'll have the time. That control you feel can be quickly taken away. It gives you a false sense of control. And once you realize that, I hope it motivates you to do it now. Secondly, procrastination is a time thief. Procrastination is a time thief. It will steal your time. One of the consequences of that false sense of control I just talked about is that because we still believe we had the time later on, procrastination is stealing from you the time you have now. Every time that little monkey steers you away from the important tasks, all you end up doing is wasting time. That's all you're doing. Did that time that you spent scrolling through Facebook, Insta, did any of that time add any value to your life? Ask yourself that question. Did my scrolling, did reading through the, all the news headlines, did that add value to my life? Did that add worth to my life? Did doing the little tasks, did it add worth to my life? Probably not. Probably not. All those little things, they needed to get done. Yes, they did. But now you don't have time to do the one thing that has a deadline. Because the deadline doesn't change. It's fixed. 
and you will run out of time if you don't get it done. Even when we busy ourselves with tasks that do need to be done, that procrastinate working, it has stolen the time you had now and you will never, ever, ever get it back. Jesus spoke in John 9. In John 9 and verse 4, he says this. He says, We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. We only have so long here to do the things we need to do. James reminded us that our life is like a morning fog. It's like a vapor. It's there, and then it disappears. We don't have the time to waste. Here, Jesus urged us to quickly carry out the task assigned to us. It's a great principle to introduce into all parts of your life. Everything you do, get it done. Get it done quickly. James is subscribed to a lot of home organization stuff. And I watched one the other day. She sent one to me. I watched the other day. And it's the two-minute rule. Who's ever heard of the two-minute rule? Apart from Jane, I know she has. Okay, the two-minute rule. If something takes two minutes or less to do, just get it done. You don't write it on a to-do list. You don't put it away for later. If it takes less than two minutes, just do it. What's two minutes? Just do it. Last night, I took the washing in. It took me two minutes. I could have said, ah, oh, I'll just do that later on. It's fine. What's one more night? It's okay. But it took me less than two minutes. I got there. Peg, 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 done. Just get it done. If it takes less than two minutes, what's the big deal? Just do it. Don't write it down. Just do it. Because procrastination does only one thing to your time. It steals it and wastes it. And it is done. Thirdly, procrastination, it robs you of opportunity. It robs you of opportunity. Procrastination can keep you from taking hold of an opportunity. This, would happen, this happened to two people in the Bible. The names are Felix and Drusilla. Okay? Felix, known as Antonius Felix, he was the procurator of Judea. Okay? He was in charge of that world where Paul and the church was set up. So Felix was the procurator. Okay? And Drusilla was his wife, whom he enticed away from another, her first husband. He stole her from her first husband. And Drusilla was the daughter of Herod Agrippa I. Do you know who he is? He was the one who murdered James, brother of John. He also tried to murder Peter in Acts 12. And her uncle, Drusilla's uncle, was Herod Antipas, who was the one who executed John the Baptist. And her great-granddad was Herod the Great, who ordered the death of all the boys in Bethlehem trying to kill Jesus. So she has a great history. This is a power couple. Great history. And she was Jewish. Okay? Jewish person. She knew. So she knew. She knew about God. She was a Jewish woman. She knew. And so this power couple is in charge of Judea. And Paul. Paul was arrested. And he finds himself in front of Felix and Drusilla. Okay? He goes up the chain. And he finds himself in front of them. But instead of defending himself, Paul does what Paul always does. He takes the opportunity to preach the gospel. That's all he ever did. He never defended himself. He just talked about Jesus. And so... They brought him as a prisoner, brought him before Felix and Drusilla, and he spoke to them about Jesus. And we read this in Acts 24, verse, chapter, verse 24 to 27. It says this, A few days later, so Paul's already been speaking to Felix already, this has been going on. A few days later, Felix came back with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, sending for Paul, they listened as he told them about faith in Christ Jesus. 
As he reasoned with them about righteousness and self-control and the coming day of judgment, Felix became frightened. Go away for now, he replied. When it's more convenient, I'll call for you again. He also hoped that Paul would bribe him, so he sent for him quite often and talked with him. After two years went by in this way, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus. And because Felix wanted to gain favor with the Jewish people, he left Paul in prison. For two years, Paul talks to Felix and Drusilla about Jesus. Two years. Sending for Paul time and time again, he spoke to them about righteousness, self-control, coming day of judgment. You need to believe in Jesus to be saved. And what was his response? Go away for now. I'll call for you when it's more convenient. Felix kept putting off and putting off and putting off and putting off. He procrastinated and he never invited Jesus into his life that we know of. He kept putting off the opportunity. Procrastination will take opportunity away from you. If we keep putting off, eventually the opportunity will pass us by and we will have missed it. Felix knew it was the truth. How do we know that? Because when Paul spoke about the end times, he got scared. Felix was convicted. I think he knew, I believe he knew that Paul was telling him the truth. Yet he didn't want to go down that route. He didn't want to surrender his life to Jesus. And so he put it off. He kept delaying the opportunity. He kept it at arm's length. My question for you is, what opportunities are you keeping at arm's length? What are you delaying doing because of fear or uncertainty? When you know, when you know you should just seize the opportunity. What are you putting off? Because that, that opportunity won't always be there. It won't always be there. Procrastination will steal it from you. If you let it. So we know what the price of procrastination can be. We can see how it can rob from us. It takes our time. It takes our opportunity. It gives us a false sense of security, a false sense of control. Hopefully that while we joke about procrastination, you can see that it has some serious consequences for your life. But now that we see it for what it is, how do we overcome it? How do we overcome procrastination? We've already talked about the first step. You just didn't realize it at the time. The first step is what we've done. Recognize it for what it is. Recognize how it invades your life. Recognize what it can do to your life. Once we know these things, once we see the truth about procrastination, surely we do not want to be a victim to it anymore. That's the first step. So what's next? I want to give you some practical steps to getting things done. And the first one is this. You write these down. The first one is this. Visualize beyond. Visualize beyond. One great starting place when we feel procrastination slipping in, that little monkey is trying to take the wheel, is to visualize the end result. But I want you to do more than just see yourself having completed the task. I want you to imagine what it feels like to have completed that task. What does it feel like? What will it feel like knowing that you've done what you needed to do? Imagine, put yourself in that place. Imagine the satisfaction that you'll have knowing that you've completed it. The easing of the pressure because it is done. I do this when I go running. At 3K in, my legs are telling me, don't run anymore, please. I want you to stop. My breathing's like, no, you've been to stop now. But I visualize. I imagine myself what I feel like when I run the whole way. 
and I picture myself there and I keep running because I want that feeling. I want to know what that feels like. Whatever job it is, imagine what it will feel like knowing that you've done it and then press forward because we get caught up. It's too easy to get caught up in the situation, in the task. It's too easy to say it's never ending. There's too many things to do. It's never going to stop. But if we stop and look beyond, if we raise our eyes, lift our eyes up and look to the future, see what it will feel like when it's done, then we can lift ourselves above the circumstance, above the task. Because lifting our eyes is a biblical principle. In Colossians 3.2, it says this. It says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Of course, we know Paul's talking about keeping an eternal perspective, not getting bogged down in the trivialities and temporary world that we live in. But the principle is sound. If we lift our eyes beyond what we're doing, because we're struggling, and imagine ourselves where we need to be, then you can lift yourselves out of the indecision. Picture it. Visualize it. What it'll be like, and then you find a way through. The first step is to visualize. The second step is baby steps. Baby steps. One of the biggest hurdles to overcoming procrastination is that we simply see the tasks that we're trying to do, they're too big. They're just too big. There's too many things to do. You don't know where to start. There's too many variables. What do I do? So break your task down into smaller chunks. Bite-sized baby steps. If it's work-related or school-related, school-related, what can you do to break the job up into, into little things? I'll do this first, I'll do this first, the next, the next. If it's something at home, then your baby steps look a little bit different. If you want to get up early and spend more time with God, read His Word and journal, the night before, get out your Bible, put it where you're going to read, open it to the page you're going to read, have your journal and pen. In your mind, you're preparing yourself to do the thing you want to do later on. You're setting yourself up for success. That is what a baby step can look like. Preparation is an excellent baby step just to get your mind where you need it to be. Exodus 4.2. We're going to read a little bit of a snippet from a very large piece of scripture and I'll explain to you why I chose this piece. Exodus 4 verse 1. It says this. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what is there in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. This is just a snippet. And I'll explain why I chose a snippet in a minute. In Exodus 3, Moses is called by God to lead his people, God's people out of Egypt. He speaks to Moses through the burning bush. Yes, we're familiar with this story. You know, and Moses, of course, is not too thrilled about the idea. He doesn't believe in himself, doesn't believe he can do it. And so what does God do? And all throughout Exodus 3, God gives Moses steps. Do this, do this. Go to the elders and say this. God gives Moses a script of what to say exactly. And he says, then the Egyptians will do this, and then your women will do this, and you dress your children like this. God gives Moses a step-by-step instruction of what to do. And then, in chapter 4, we see Moses protested again. He's just not getting it. So what does God do? He strikes him down on the spot. No, he doesn't do that, okay? He gives him more steps. He breaks the task even further down. He says, what's in your hand? And it's his shepherd's staff. He says, throw it on the ground. He threw it on the ground, it became a snake. He picked up by the tail, it became a staff again. This is how you will show 
that I am with you. This is proof that God is with you. And then he says, you're going to go to Pharaoh. And there's going to be 10 steps, 10 plagues, one at a time. This is what you're going to do. God breaks it down for Moses to make it as easy as possible. Was it an easy task? Goodness, no. Israelite man going to, or raised in the palace, obviously, but going to Pharaoh and asking and saying, let my people go. That is not an easy task. That is scary. Okay, We understand that is scary. But God broke it down. But what I love, what I love is what God said. I love his words. He says, what is in your hand? That is what God said to me. What is in your hand? It was a shepherd's staff. Not a weapon, not a sword, just a shepherd's staff. God can use whatever is in your hand. God can use whatever you have to achieve his purposes. I don't want you to ever, ever think that you do not have enough to do what God wants or that you are ever good, not good enough for what God wants. Whatever you have, whatever you find in your hand, whatever you find, wherever you are in your life, God can use you if you let him. If you go to God, please help me with the next step. Please help me with this. God will help you. It doesn't matter what is in your hand. It doesn't matter if you don't think it's good enough. It doesn't matter if you don't think you're good enough. If you ask God for help, he will take you through the next step if you're willing to take it with him. He can use what's in your hand, regardless of who you are, if you're willing to take the next step with him. Take baby steps. The third one is this, to do today. To do today. A very common antidote to procrastination is the to-do list. Now what are you thinking? Pastor Randall, I've tried to-do list before. To-do list never work. All I end up doing is adding more things to my to-do list and it gets longer and what is to-do never gets to-done. Okay? We've all been there. And that is why to overcome procrastination, it is to-do Today, what is your list just for today? Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month. What is your list for today? What do you need to get done today? And if that's too much for you, what do you need to get done before lunch? Write down the things that you can do that need to get done before lunch. And when you have your lunch, go through your list, tick off what you did and think, oh, I did. had a pretty good morning. I can add some more things to my list because I have the time now. Review a lunchtime. Stop thinking about a list that is a hundred things long because you'll never get it done, ever. What is your list just for today? Just focus on today. What does Jesus say in Matthew 6.34? What does he say? It's a famous verse. He says this, So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Your to-do list should be manageable. Just focus on today. Simple. Number four is also pretty self-explanatory. Eliminate distractions. Eliminate distractions. I'm not going to say much on this, but you don't need your phone as much as you think you do. I'm sorry, Charlie, you don't need your phone as much as you think you do. Now she's smiling at me. You don't need to watch as much TV as you think you do. 
You don't need to spend an hour cleaning your desk before you start working as much as you think you do. You don't. Get going, keep going until the job is done. Don't get distracted. If people are your distraction, say to them, I need an hour to do this one thing. Please don't disturb me. Tell the people in your household, I need to get this done. Set up boundaries to eliminate distractions. Put your phone in another room. Put your TV in another room. It's probably harder to put yourself in another room than your TV. Ask yourself two questions. What distracts me from doing what I need to do? Write them down. Second question is this. What can I control about those distractions? What is in your ability to control? And then you do what you can control. And the last one is this, number five. Reflect. We need to take time to reflect. Take the time to reflect on the job that you have done or have not done. The day you've had. Take time to assess what worked and what didn't. If you had a win today, why did you have a win? What worked well? If you didn't have a win and procrastination won, why did it win? Reflect. Reflect. Take the time to assess. If we do not assess, nothing will ever change. Take the time. Do it. What works well and try something new the next day. I want to finish with a verse. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. And it says this. Now we see things imperfectly, like a puzzling reflection in a mirror. But then we'll see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I'll know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. We only know what we know. Not tomorrow. We know anything about that. We only know now. And we only know what we know. There is so much we don't know. So much out of our control. Recognize what is in your control. And then recognize that you can only do your best at any given time. When I go to camp with year 11s, the instructors tell them this. They have a task in front of them. A group of 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds. He says, remember, when you do this task, you can only do what you're capable of. You can only give your 100%. So don't think that what you do is not good enough because if it's your 100%, then that's all you've got to give. And your 100% might not be the same as their 100%. But if you give your 100%, that's all you can do. God only asks you to give your 100%. You can only do what you can do. He knows your faults. He knows your shortcomings. He knows your failures. And yet he still calls you to be part of his cause. He still wants you to be part of what he is doing in the world to save it. I ask magicians if they would come now. He still calls you his child. He still invites you to be part of his family, even though he knows you what? Completely. He knows you completely. The things that you think he doesn't know, he knows. Okay? He knows, and he still loves you, and he still calls you. Opportunity is there every single day. But procrastination will steal it from you. But trusting in God and taking the next step with him will see opportunity birth in your life. I want you to stand with me this morning.
I want you to stand. This morning you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to say to God, I want to take the next step with you. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be fearful. I'm not going to worry about the things that I can't control. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say, God, all I have is all I am. That's all I, that's all I have. I'm going to ask you, God, take me on the next step. Take the next step with me, and God will do that. With every eye closed now, every head bowed. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask this morning. We ask and we thank you for your word. We ask that you would come for each person here, myself included. Myself included. A chief procrastinator. God, help me not to be afraid of the future. Help me not to fall into the trap of thinking that I have the time that I don't know that I have. Help me and everybody in this room. Help us to understand that procrastination only steals from us. It takes our time. It gives us a false sense of control. It robs us of opportunity. And you have opportunities for For every person in this room, you have an opportunity before them. Let us not let procrastination take it away from us. But let us step into what you have for us. Let us ask ourselves the question this morning, what opportunity am I keeping at arm's length? What am I delaying doing because of uncertainty or fear? And let's ask God this morning, Lord, help us to take the next step. Help us to move forward this morning. Also, I want to pray for those here in this room or those watching online. If you've never asked Jesus to be in your life, if you're like Felix and Drusilla, and you've heard the truth, you've heard about Jesus, but you've never asked him to be part of your life, remember that the opportunity slipped them by. They let it go. You this morning, wherever you are and whoever you are, you have an opportunity this morning to ask God into your life, to ask Jesus to be part of your life. And if that's you this morning, all you need to do is this. To say, dear Jesus, please come into my life. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry I put myself first. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be Lord of my life. Help me surrender myself to you. That may I live for you. I believe that you are the Son of God. You died and rose again for my sin. Come live with me now. That's all you need to do. Simple prayer. Whatever words you use. Simple as that. Lord, I pray you bless each of those people. Whoever it is at home or here, you'll bless them. Let them know that you've called them into your family. You know everything about them. You know everything about them. And you, you still call them. You still want them to be your child. And if that's you this morning, I would ask that after the service, you come and find me or Pastor Jim or Pastor Peggy. Come and find us and tell us about your decision and we'll walk with you. But the rest of us, I would ask, to make a decision today that you're going to overcome the areas in your life where you procrastinate, the areas in your life where you put things off, and ask that you would agree this morning, that you would come to God and say, I promise, I declare that I'm going to overcome procrastination. I'm going to try to overcome whatever area in your life it is for you, whatever it is, socially or work or education, or neighbor, whatever it is at home, whatever it is, you're going to make a commitment now and say, I'm going to overcome procrastination. I'm going to get past it. I'm going to get started, get it done, keep going until it's finished.
Because we know, we know, God, that if we get things done, we get them done quickly, there'll be opportunity for us. Opportunities that wouldn't have come along if we had delayed and put things off. We thank you, Jesus. Bless every person here. Have them walk out of this place with a renewed sense of purpose, a renewed sense that you want them to do more with their lives. You have so much more for them, so much more opportunity. All they need to do is say, God, help me take the next step. Take it with me, and you'll be there with me. Let's not let procrastination rob from us any longer. Amen. Amen. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. I thank you for joining us online as well. If you have any questions about the church, please contact us. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.